You know, I was standing there during worship, and I was trying to recognize, I was feeling a heaviness. I don't know if anybody else was feeling that, and that's what I was trying to recognize, is if anybody else was feeling that, and what it was. But as worship went on, I recognized it was not outside of me. It was what I was feeling. Because our worship was intense. It was amazing. And the heaviness that I was feeling, I realized, was not because of a presence. It was because of a longing. You know, I <clears throat> I look out and it's been a few weeks since Minetta's been able to be here. And I got a text this morning from Bren and just since Friday when I was up there, um, Carson's dealing with more pain. She said this morning that his pain is so intense that he can barely bear it. And this, this is on heavy pain medication. This, but it's getting more intense. And so I realized that that's where this heaviness is coming from. And it's not a heaviness of presence, as I said. It's actually a heaviness of hope. Because, see, we know what God has said. We know what he said he's going to do. So the heaviness isn't even hopelessness. Understand what I mean. The heaviness is, now God, now God, please, now. made me realize see that's what God's looking for in all of us that's what he's looking for in his bride is to say now we want you now we need you now and how heavy is that on our hearts is that on our hearts all the time or do we compartmentalize God? Do we compartmentalize what he's doing in our lives? I want to pray this morning because declaration is important. Crying out to God is critical. And there's truly nothing more important that we could do right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you fill my mouth with your words this morning. That you not allow a single word of my own to escape my mouth. But that it is only you. Because we are in grave need of you. We have a desperate desire, Father, to hear 
from you and you alone. I ask, Lord, that you look deep into our hearts right now and see the love that we have for you. And join us here. I ask that your presence become so thick and so overwhelming in your joy that we just can't stand it anymore. Just immerse us in your love. And Father, I come before you with all of these witnesses. We come in unity together before your throne, Father, to say we ask for your will to be done in Carson's life, in Mineta's life. We ask your will to be done, and we have been told what you are going to do. You have said that there would be a perfect healing and a manifestation of that. So, Father, this morning we declare that we believe you. We declare that we trust you. We declare that there is no doubt, no wavering. And we ask for your presence. You promised, Lord, in your word, that if we ask for your presence, ask for your Holy Spirit, surely you will give him. So we ask for him this morning. We ask for him to come in such a way that the mountains move. That the enemy trembles. That literally ground is taken for you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about the armor of God and and been talking about it from a little bit different perspective. The perspective of offense, right? The perspective of taking the fight to the enemy and not just sitting back and warding off whatever's coming after us. See, that's a, that, that defensive position, sometimes it's necessary, but there is no power in a defensive position. There's hope, and there's keeping the enemy off, and there's victory from lack of defeat. But understand that's different than victory because of going on an offensive campaign. Taking ground is different. Taking ground is what he wants for his bride. That's what he wants for us. He wants ground to be taken, not only in our lives, but in this country, in this world. He wants to ready his bride, and we've talked about that. So putting on the whole armor of God is not just important because of defensive measures. Putting on the whole armor of God is what literally makes you a warrior for Jesus Christ. 
a warrior to be able to go out and do what he tells you to do. Not to go out and just say, well, I'm prepared. I could just go fight where I want to fight. You don't pick a fight that you're not sent to do. However, you'll never be sent if you're not ready to fight. See, I think of, I I use the Navy SEALs all the time, or, or really any kind of, of military special forces. But because everybody knows the SEALs, that, that's, what, that's what I use for examples. See, when SEALs-to-be go through their training, they're not guaranteed to make it. As a matter of fact, most of them do not. The great majority of those who try fail. They either fail because they give up, or they're not allowed to go on because they're not ready. See, when they finish their training, when they step out of that training time and they are then declared a Navy SEAL, they are ready for battle. We have to, as Christians, become ready for battle. Why? Because the world's waiting for it. The world's waiting for the bride to rise up and fight the, what's going on in the world. And we, and we see it happening. We see the bride rising up. And, and I'm not saying that this isn't happening because I'm excited. I see it in ignition. That's why our tagline, our, our motto is an army rising up. Always has been before we knew we were an army. I don't even know, I, I can't, I don't know, Josh, can you remember when we came, I can't remember when we came up with that. I think we had that tagline before we had a logo, before we were ever even a ministry. Because there is an army rising up. And that army's to take ground, so in order to take ground, you have got to put your armor on in such a way and be trained in using your armor in offense. Because you use it differently. It's the same elements, but you use it differently. Like last week we talked about peace. There's a different peace that comes in offense versus defense. It's it's applied. The peace is the same. It's applied a different way. See, I know that if I have a peace about the, the direction I'm stepping in, and the Lord's given me a peace. He said, start this church, and I give you a peace about this, then I know by stepping into those realms and stepping into that battlefield, I know that he will do it. I have a peace that he will do what he said he did, or that he'll do what he says he's going to do. See, we have a peace in that to go on offense. You don't, you don't do it without a peace. Moses didn't go into the Red Sea until he was told to do it. Because he never even thought it was an option. Well, I wonder if all million people here swim. <laughs> you know, not knowing that was an option. Yeah, he didn't go until the Lord said, I'm going to prepare a path for you. Go. And he didn't open it up until he went. But there was a peace that he was given. Do you see what I'm saying? When we fight the enemy, we must have that peace like we talked about last week. 
Well, this week we have a, another, she, a, another piece of armor that we need to take up, and it's the shield. It's the shield of faith. And I've got to say something here. Look at that picture. Okay, is that just the coolest night in the world? <laughs> Every week they get cooler and cooler. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd want to meet him in battle. Pretty ominous, right? You ever wonder how the enemy looks at you? You ever wonder? See, if I saw him running at me, that would be a little disconcerting. Unless I had all my armor on, then okay, let's go. But the enemy looks at us, and does he see fear? Does he feel fear because he sees us as an ominous opponent? Not because of us. We would never do anything to scare him, but because of Jesus Christ in us. Do we, do we have cause to make the enemy afraid? See, when we take up our armor, when we become trained in offense, yes, he does. He looks at it. He looks at us. He looks at ignition. He looks at each of you, and he is afraid of what God will do in your life. Not for you, but through you. See, he doesn't mind so much losing one person. It's the influence of that person. Because eventually he's going to lose the whole thing, and he knows that. So is, is, is fear struck in the enemy when he looks at you? I would venture to say yes. I know he's afraid of ignition. I know he is because he knows what God's doing in us. We simply say yes to the Lord, and he can do whatever he wants. So, bottom line, cool picture. I love it. And, and you know what? Next week's even going to be cooler. They just get better. I, I think at the end I'm going to do a montage of all of them. And, and we need to, to, I don't know, do a poster or something. They're just so, I, although I don't have the rights to them, I suppose, but that's all right. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Today we're talking about the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to start in verse 10 again like we do every week. And we're going to uh, read up through the first half of 16. or We'll read through 16. Starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole or entire armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole or entire armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And have done, having done all to stand, then stand. So stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, which is his word, his truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. First His righteousness, then the purity of our walk. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That peace makes us ready to walk in His will. And then verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. In all circumstances. See, you're exposed. If you, if you run out into battle and you don't have a shield, you're very exposed to what's coming at you. You, you still may have other armor on, but you have nothing that you can move for extra protection. That's why he said, in all circumstances, what must you take? You must take faith. See, faith is what feeds everything else. They're not dependent upon that. The belt of truth is not dependent upon your faith. God is not true simply because you believe he's true. God's word is true because God's word is true. Your faith is what activates it in your life. So you must take faith into the battle. You must take this shield into the battle. And that faith must go into each of the other pieces of armor. There's nothing more important than faith. Faith is the one thing you offer to God that brings you salvation. Right? Okay, we, have, we don't do anything to earn salvation. However, it's just not cast upon us. He doesn't look and say, okay, let me I'll give it to that one. And, okay, give it to that one. He doesn't just cast salvation upon us. We believe him by faith. We believe in a very simple gospel. We believe Jesus Christ as the Son of God came down and became man. Died on the cross for our sins, living a perfect sinless life. Was raised from the dead after three days. Lives at the right hand of the Father right now in heaven. Very simple gospel. I think that took me five seconds to say it, right? But believing in that, in your heart, is what gives you salvation. So it's that very key expression of faith that, get, that literally changes our destination. It changes our heart completely. But faith doesn't stop there. Faith, that seed that was planted of faith in our heart and in our spirit, if it falls on good ground, it'll grow. If we let that faith grow in our hearts, then that faith will come to a point where we're no longer defensive. Where we are literally taking ground because God is giving us the faith to step out to take ground. You ever, you ever go through the, the whole time that Israel, you know, through the book of Joshua, when Israel took their land? It's really an amazing, amazing study. All the different things, these steps of faith that they had to take to take their land. This was land promised to them. This was their land. But they had to fight for it. 
They had to have faith in stepping out in what God wanted. I mean, even, even their first battle, Jericho, they get over there, and, and you can imagine these guys, you know, for literally their whole lives growing up, well, we're, we're getting ready for this big fight. We're going to enter the land, and we're going to fight, and we're going to take the land. Not necessarily knowing what they're going to face. So <laughs> I love God. He has such a great sense of humor. What's he do? The very first battle, he says, yeah, you're not going to fight. I'm going to do this. You'll just clean up for me. I'm going to knock everything down. I'm going to take care of everything. I'll give you the easy part. I'll guarantee you that's not what they thought was going to happen. As a matter of fact, they're probably marching around the city thinking, this is a weird tactic, Lord. You know, I, I'm not sure why we're doing this, but we believe. We believe and we give you our yes, so we're going to march around seven times and then shout. What a battle plan. <laughs> I mean, think about that. If, if it, as Joshua's telling his, his top generals this, they're probably looking at him like, man, I wish we could go back to Moses. <laughs> You know, they're probably all confused. What in the world? This is, this is no battle. But it is. Because look at the outcome. See, they took Jericho. They took Jericho because God knocked down the city walls. He knocked down the buildings. He knocked down everything. He took the city for them. And all they had to do was clean it up. And many other examples of that where times they were put into actual battle, times they got to see the battle happen before their eyes. But either way, the important thing is they had to be ready. And faith was what readied them. So it's, it's not just being ready, in their case, in a physical way. Their faith had to be ready. They had to take up that shield of faith. So let, let's look at what faith is. Turn to Hebrews 11. You can't do a study on faith and not turn to Hebrews. right? Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And, and we're just going to read down through this. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll read the whole chapter. It's just really an amazing, amazing chapter. I could probably read the chapter and then we'll pray and be done. Just soak it in. <laughs> Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Before I read on, though, I want to explain something. Those two words there, okay, assurance and conviction. I want you to understand those before we move on. Assurance, the Greek word there is hypostasis, which means a setting or a place under. It's basically a foundation. Okay? So what it's saying is, now faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It's the setting in. It's a particular place under. It is a foundation in your life of things hoped for. Then the word conviction there is elegos, which is the proof or evidence. Okay? So, so reading it this way, now faith is the foundation of things hoped for, the proof or evidence of things not seen. 
That, that's kind of diametrically opposed, right? You have proof of something you can't even see. What's that mean? It means that he gives you proof as you step out in faith. That's what that whole peace thing's about. Why do we have peace in something that God tells us to do? It's because our faith has been given proof of something we've never seen. Why do we believe that Carson's going to be perfectly healed? Well, it's simple. Because God has given proof of what we have not seen yet. The proof is in his words. He has said over and over and over again to multiple, multiple, multiple people that he will be healed. So see, that's evidence of something not seen. We haven't seen it yet, but we have faith and we believe it. So that's, I, I just want, to, want you to understand what, what faith is we're talking about. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. By the way, that word commending there, it's important to understand what that word is. That word means testimony. Okay, He was commended, which meant God gave him a testimony. Right? He gave him a testimony, not just in heaven, not just in the courts, but literally with his family, literally with the people that, that were around him. And, and it says here at the, the end, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. See, his commendation, your commendation, my commendation, allow us to speak beyond our own mouths. Our testimonies do more than our mouths ever will, by far. The testimony of who you are in Jesus Christ can do more than what you will say out of your mouth. By the way, it works the opposite, too. You could do more damage through your testimony than what comes out of your mouth as well. So in, in this case, God commended Abel. He gave him a testimony because of his act of obedience. Because he gave the right offering. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch, one of my favorite guys in the Bible, love Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He was given a testimony that God was pleased by him. See, the testimony is the part that God uses for the rest. The testimony in our lives, that my testimony for my life doesn't affect my life. The testimony is to affect others. The effect in my life is what happens in my heart. I get to feel that in a personal way, in a close, intimate, personal way. The commendation or the testimony is for everybody else. Don't think that you are not affecting other people. 
Everybody affects other people. It's just when you are put in your will, in God's will for your life, then He commends you. Like it just said, He gives you that testimony that will affect other people. Like in, in Enoch's case or Abel's case, you know, their testimony still speaks. We're, it's, it's shouting today as we read this, right? Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him or please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, if you're going to follow this path of trusting God and believing God, first of all, you better believe he's God. (laughs) If you accept him into your heart, it doesn't just stop there. You believe in who he is. You believe in what he said. You believe in what he wants to do in your life. And you say yes to him. You, If you want to draw near to him, you've got to realize that what he says is true. And I love the second part of this. And that he rewards those who seek him. Do you expect rewards from God? If you don't, why not? Do you expect the fruits of the Spirit that are promised? Do you expect love in your life because you're pursuing God? Do you expect peace? Do you expect joy? Do you expect patience? Patience we like to kind of leave off because that one's hard to obtain because we have to actually be patient to get patience. I don't know. I, we need to talk about that one upstairs sometime. I don't know. But do you have that? Do you have, do you believe that God will reward you with these things when you trust him? That's what it says here. It says we can obtain that reward and we believe because we draw near to him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, which by the way, they didn't have rain before the flood, so it wasn't that he had never seen a flood, he had never seen rain. He had never seen anything like this. This whole idea of rain and thunder and lightning and all that, this was all new to him. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. For by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I want to point something out here. It doesn't say by Noah doing this, God condemned the world. You ever notice that? He, lowercase, Noah, by being faithful, by doing what God had told him, Noah condemned the world. What's that mean? That means he just was made available that God could use him to do his purpose. See, the condemnation had to come because of the special sin that was going on in the world at that time. And I'm not going to go down that that rabbit trail, but it's it's different. Okay, if you hear anybody say that, well, you know, God, the the sin that was going on then is the same sin today, and, and so be afraid of God's judgment. No, it wasn't. It was very different then. If you want to understand that, you need to understand Genesis 6 and what that whole thing is all about with the fallen angels. 
Okay, again, I don't want to get into that rabbit trail, but there was condemnation that needed to happen in the world. And because Noah said yes, and Noah believed, Noah, literally, by his action, condemned the world. Because it was God's will. Does that make sense? See, God has a purpose in your life. He has a purpose in your life to do something that will affect others. It could, it could be anything. Like in this case, it was judgment, but it could, be, it could be something on the opposite end. But if we do not say yes to God, then God cannot do it through us. God is not going to come down here and do it himself. He's not going to. Because he needs it to operate in faith. It's not that he can't do that. When Jesus Christ came as the Son of God and he was on this earth and he, he was being tempted by Satan, Satan said, why don't you jump off this rock and, and tell the angels to come who take charge over you and they won't even let you dash your foot upon a stone. See, Satan knew that, that he could call upon the angels to take care of him. But God wasn't going to do that. That's not what he came for. He's not going to come down here and fix your world. He uses you to fix your world. He uses his bride to fix this world. That's why we have to be willing. That's why we have to say yes. We give him our yeses, and that's exactly what Noah did. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has no foundations, whose designer and builder is God. See, he had something else in mind. He didn't put the heaviest weight on his reality that he was living. He put his heaviest weight on the fact that God said, I will build a city. I will lay the foundations of that city. Do we look for that in our own lives? Or do we want to lay our own foundations? Do we want to kind of do our own thing and say, God, here, I have this that I've planned in my life. I have this that I've done. I desperately need you to bless this, God. I've put this together, and, and you know what? I, I, I've looked at everything, and I know it's all positive and all for you, and, and it's all good, and everybody thinks it's good, and, but I need your blessing, God. Here, look how pretty it is that I put together. I need your blessing. And God said, man, if you would just take what I do, I'll do the foundation that you can't even see. I'll lay a foundation that you don't even understand. And when we, when you, when we do that, when we just say, okay, God, you know what? Take this model here, throw it out. I want you to start. I want you to build. I want you to do it. Boy, that picture turns out different than you expect. I loved being a builder. That was probably my favorite job. I mean, unless they would let me on Gold Rush. 
that would be my favorite job. I'm sorry, but if there is a guy in here that would not love that job, we need to talk. That is just the man's job, right? I mean, they get to play with big equipment, they get to dig in the dirt, and they get to find gold. <laughs> I'm sorry, but, but you, you can imagine, I just threw my whole point off, didn't I? Wow, okay, let's pray. No. But, you know, we, we could, the, the job that I had before, I was building homes, loved it, loved the creativity, loved what I was doing and everything else. And then I said, Lord, for the longest time, I said, Lord, here, bless this. I, I know this is a good thing. I'm helping people. I'm doing this. I, 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 it, because of this job, I have all this time for ministry. I could be full-time ministry, and they don't have to pay me. And I was. I, I was full-time ministry. And just telling God, see, these are all the good points of it. Don't you get it, God? I, all this stuff is so good. This is the, I, I've done this. I decided to do this. I built it. I, 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 I. And he just looks at me and just says, ah. Oh. Just let me build the foundation. Just let me do it. And when I finally got that, he changed everything. He came in with a wrecking ball and he demolished everything that I had built. And, and by the way, that's not an easy thing. You, you, you're, you're watching these buildings be knocked down and crumbling and that's what you built. I loved that. But he said, you know, I need to do that because I want to build something different. So he did in my life. He laid a new foundation. And upon that foundation, he started to build buildings. He started to build structures. He started to build these structures of faith that would allow me to see a different city that would allow me to see a different thing in my life that he wanted to do. The, the very foundations were built by him and not by me. See, we have to say yes to that. And when you say yes to that, you have to, you have to be serious about it. Because you can say yes and take back your yes. And whenever you do that, remember when you say yes, he's going to start doing it. But if it's a perpetual yes, take back, yes, take back, yes, take back, all you're doing is seeing your buildings getting demolished. You go into this perpetuating cycle of destruction. And then when you can't take the destruction anymore, you say, yes, Lord, yes, have your way. Comes in and he cleans it out and he begins to build. But when you stick with that yes... He'll build the foundations in your life that can actually hold something up. That can actually give you the strength to be able to endure what he is doing in your life. Because it, it's not easy. Anybody tell you the Christian life is easy, they're incorrect. They don't understand and have not lived through God's purpose for their life. You show me one of these guys or, or ladies in, in chapter 11 that were known by their faith. You show me one of them that did not have tremendous difficulty in their life. They all did. 
See, if you live for Jesus Christ, you're, going, you're guaranteed to have difficulty in your life. Because that's how he builds the faith. But that's also how you obtain the reward. That's how you obtain the joy, the love, the peace. That's how you obtain the closeness with Jesus Christ. See, why, why does it have to be so hard? It's because it was hard for him. He paid everything. The Father gave his only Son. He gave everything. He gave so much more than we could ever give. So why would we think that there would not be a cost of everything in our own lives? It does. To live for Jesus Christ will cost you everything. But it will be the best investment and the best choice you will have ever made. Because there's so much victory in it. There's so much. Right now, in my life, okay, from the outside, it doesn't look like there is all this prosperous and everything's, you know, growing and all that stuff. But I can tell you in my own life, I've never had so much peace. I've never had so much joy. I've never had so much provision. Is that crazy? Do you you know, I've never... I've never not worried about money and paying bills until I had none to do it with. (laughs) And Jesus was in charge of it. Because he takes care of all that. And I'm, I'm telling you, for the last, when did we close the company? Two, three years ago. Three years. Coming up on three years in May. Wow. He has never failed. Not one time. Never failed. It's joy. It's reward when you say yes to Jesus Christ. I, okay, we can't read the rest of this. But I do want to point out, if you go down to verse 14. Actually, no. Verse 13. We're going to read 13 and 14 just to, just to kind of sum up this, this piece of it. These all died, all these people all these people in this, this hall of faith, these all died in faith, not having received the very things that were promised of them, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. See, we don't belong here, but we are here. We're strangers and exiles on the earth because we belong with Jesus Christ. Verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Where are your eyes? Are your eyes on this life? Or are your eyes on seeking that homeland? Seeking that time that we're with Jesus Christ. So why is faith... In Ephesians 6, portrayed it as a shield. Why, why does he portray it as a shield? Anybody, I didn't have a picture of it or anything, but, but has, has, have you guys seen what a Roman shield looks like? 
Okay, I'll, I'll describe it because that's what Paul's referring to here. Okay, first of all, a Roman shield, it's not quite like that one. Okay, it's actually a little bit bigger than that one. The Roman shield covers the entire body. Uh, what, what it, the purpose of it was when, when a Roman soldier had a shield and they could crouch down behind it and it would literally cover their whole body. Okay, so so why did Paul begin to talk about faith as a shield is because faith literally covers everything that we do. Faith is in everything that we do when we step for the Lord, when we walk with the Lord. Faith is a part of everything. Faith can can literally cover our entire body. Okay, defensively, faith is what stops the darts of the enemy, right? That's, that's what Paul said. He said in Ephesians 6, he said, put up your shield of faith so it'll stop the darts from the enemy. However, faith or the shield of faith can become an offensive tool. One of the things that, that the Romans used to do, and they did this on defense as well as offense, is they would have a group of them. I, I don't know what they were called. If it, I think it was uh, a what? A legion? I think a legion was a thousand, though. They, these were small groups. Yeah. I, they, whatever, however many guys they had. They, maybe they had 25, 30, 30 guys or whatever. But they would all put their shields. The outside group would put their shields on the outside. The inside group would put them above. And literally, it's like this little tank. <laughs> right? It's like this little tank. And if you try to penetrate it, there's no penetration. However, they used to always, or they used to also move that in offense. They would, they would be like this and they'd walk like this, okay, so that they're being protected the whole way. And they would walk to a strategic point before they would attack. And oftentimes inside this, they would have archers. So archers would be able to, they'd open up a piece, an archer shoot, close it back up. Okay, it became an offensive tool. Think of your shield as something that you can push through the off the the thing coming against you. Okay, if if I'm going through, let's say there's a whole crowd of people, right? And you have to get through to the other side. I played football. What 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 happens with football? You have a lead blocker. You have the ball runner, and then you have the lead blocker. That lead blocker is like a shield to the defense. That lead blocker is pushing the way through. In, in, if, if you're, and I'm sorry for those who don't know football, but, but sorry, I love it. Anyway, it's, it, it, during a kickoff, a kickoff, they would receive the ball and they would form something. You'd have the ball runner behind what's called the wedge. Okay, and you have this wedge that would move up through the defense. The wedge, all that is is a shield. It's a shield to keep the defense off of your ball carrier. Well, in, in our lives, that's what faith is. We keep that faith as we're moving in what God wants us to move in. We trust his plan. We're stepping out in faith. We're moving in his plan. We keep this faith shield out in front of us because it literally moves everything out of the way. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you picture that in your mind? 
If you're moving through, you're pushing the opposition out of the way. That's what faith does. That's why Paul said faith is like a shield. Because it's not just defensive, but it's used to move the enemy. I don't know where you're at right now, but is there an enemy in your life that needs to be moved? I would venture to say yes. So you need that shield of faith to move him. There is nothing that scares Satan more than a Christian filled with faith. Because, see, the faith is what brings everything else. It's the rewards. He doesn't understand love. How do we fight? We use love. We're going to get into that in a couple of weeks. Using love to defeat the enemy. But that love comes from faith. I couldn't fall in love with people if I did not have faith in seeing how God saw those people. And if you, if you can't fall in love with people then you're never going to be able to be used the way God wants to use you. See, we have to see people like God sees people. We have to fall in love with people like God falls in love with people. And when we do that, then he can use us. But you have to do that with faith. There's nothing more important. And and I would dare say there's probably nothing that I have preached on more in the last two and a half, three years, than faith. Because there's nothing more important. Faith is what saves you to begin with. But faith is what moves you through God's will for your life. So where are you at? Where are you at with with faith? Where are you at in trusting Him? Is it a struggle? Or is it something that you're determined to give. It says in Hebrews eleven six, you can't please him without it. You can't please him without believing in who he is and what he can do and what he says he does. So where's your faith? I know as a church, he's asking our faith to be strong because of what he's promised us. See, those are the rewards. We have to give him our currency of faith for him to do that. And he's just waiting to work in your life. You just have to believe that he will. And not worry about what that looks like. Don't worry about what that foundation and that city he builds is going to look like. Because he's building it. It'll look perfect. It'll look amazing. It'll look... I pretty much guarantee you it'll look different than what you think. That's certainly been my experience. But he's awesome. He's a, he's a master builder. So we just need to give him that faith to perform in our lives what he wants to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, Lord, and And God, we come before you because we do have faith. We have faith to know that you are righteous and good. 
and you love us. And you have purpose in our lives. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning to realize that that purpose is personal to them. Not just, their, not just that they're part of some purpose that you have for this church, which is true, but that you have purpose for their life. And that purpose is something that, that can be found no other place than having faith in you. I pray that you work in our hearts, God. I pray that you increase our faith. I pray that you receive our faith as an offering of love to you. Because we do believe you. I declare we believe you. I declare your love. I declare that we receive your love. And I declare that we love you. So Lord, work in our hearts this morning to encourage and to reveal and just to overwhelm us with your love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I knew this message would be for me, boy, I've been on such a such a faith journey. There's never going to be a time we're not walking in faith. But there was something I was thinking when he was talking about don't take back your yes. You know, if you are on um, a particularly challenging faith journey, you'll be faced with decisions every single day where you're still having to choose to say yes. And maybe even multiple times a day where you're going to have to say yes. And, um, I was thinking about the human reaction, you know, even as it pertains to the analogies he gave with football and, and the, just the, the way that that warrior looked. And it's like when you are feeling overwhelmed, you kind of go, oh, but I just, I just can't. I just can't even think about it. Let me just try to get through the day. You know how many Christians think that they just want to get through the day? And we equate our physical state of exhaustion, which a lot of times comes from our spirit. You know, our flesh dies every day, but our spirit is, can be quickened and renewed. And that point of saying, I just can't, I just can't deal. Do you know that's the best place you can be? That is the first step in God saying, oh, let's start there. Let's start there. You finally realize you cannot do it. You cannot do it. Get out of the way. And he says that to me all the time. Every time I feel strong, I feel full of faith, and it's quite the opposite. It's when I cannot do it, and I'm realizing. And, and I, I was just brought right away to the very end when he was saying that to, to 2 Corinthians 12, where he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you, when Jesus said that to Paul. Therefore, most gladly will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of God may rest upon me. See, because when we're weak, we're strong. So if you really want the power of God and faith on you, we've got to be weak, and it's okay to be weak. So the next time you find yourself going, I just can't deal, I just, I'm overwhelmed, I just can't do it, praise God, get out of his way, now he can do something with, with what you've got. Because, you know, the example that Greg was giving about when we finally couldn't logically, humanly worry about provision and some of the things, because he called us into an absurd step of faith, it was like, Okay, now you've, you've removed even the five loaves and two fishes to even squabble over. You know, at least when we had a basket of, of 
you know, part of a kid's lunch, we could at least stress about it. But you even took the basket. <laughs> we got nothing. We're stepping out onto nothing. So in a weird way, it eliminated the worry. Because it's like, okay, if you're going to ask me of this of me and, and of us, then it's just on you. It's on you. And that is what God has done with this women's retreat. Now, he's done it in many, many other areas. But as it leads up to this, he has taken, he has, has just made like a megaphone in my mind, Isaiah 55, 8, 9, which talks about his thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And one of the things I'm doing in the, in the conference, um, Lord willing, because he's so in the driver's seat, I'm only ha- all of my plans are only contingency backup plans because I'm kind of like, you are so in the, I said to ladies this morning, I am not only in the back seat, I am in the back row of a big, huge bus that he is driving. And, um, and I don't know what's going on next, but, um, but we are, you know, we are planning and, um, but I'm doing a session on the, how unusual God's ways are. And he mentioned some of the cases of faith, you know, every way God called these people to faith were ways so beyond and outside of their realm of possibilities. But God is so desperate to be God to us. He wants to show us his vastness, his power, his awesome, his love. And so often we will insist on being frustrated with what he is not because he's not doing it our way. Just like when Greg said, you know, this is so pretty. This is so wonderful. I know that each, each time I get a revelation from the Lord, I, I, I'm responsible for that. So all of the previous women's meetings that I've done, I know that my heart was pure at that time and I did it. But as he started to show me something different this time, I've had to be responsible this year for what he's told me. And he's given me the greatest challenge ever by really giving me nothing and shutting all the doors but not letting me cancel. Because believe me, I was there and I begged him, let's just, let's just shut this thing down. You know, can't we, just, can't we just go ahead and have a great meeting on Sunday and maybe have a little longer, you know, ladies class that morning? You know, do we need to do this? Do we need to? Because it was so excruciating to not have it be all pretty and planned and packaged the way that we've done it for the last seven years. And so I thought, okay, what, what's going on? But God, he really does, um, he wants to show us how awesome he is. And when we pray, we really don't know what we're asking God for. When we ask for his strength, when we even ask for his blessing, do you know that even when you pray for God to bless your life, he has to prepare us for the blessing that he wants to give? If I want to bless Casey, let's, I, actually I was going to say my daughter, so I better use my own daughter. If I want to bless my daughter with a huge inheritance that's monetary, if I do, a big, big old if on that one, no. But if I, were to, if I were to want to give her, a, you know, if, if let's say we were in a, in a place and, you know, and you, I've known people like this, where she's about to inherit a huge amount of money. Do you know, and we know of cases that it's happened, either public people or, or otherwise, where that inheritance given before they're ready ruins them. It ruins them. It is beyond, to, it's not even a blessing anymore. It becomes a burden in their life. And so... Even God's blessings, he sets out to ready us and to prepare us. So be careful. You you can't avoid the faith journey even with wanting the goodness of God. Now the peace and the joy and all that stuff comes with every step. But just to say, Lord, but I just, I know I don't want all the difficult stuff. I just want you to bless me. If you want to be blessed, if you want it all, then pay the price because it's worth every step of it. But when you ask and you try to manipulate and you want things your own way, um, you, you really ask for a different kind of heartache. 
And um, I have, because this has been, this, this thing as it pertains to the ladies' meeting has been really, really challenging. And the one thing that, that I've had to do every single day, sometimes twice a day, but every single day it comes to a pressure point where I say, have to say yes again. Because, you know, every day we have the opportunity to derail our destinies. You can derail everything. You can be doing great, and if you're doing it in your own strength, a guaranteed Satan will come along. He'll slander and lie as he is about who God is and what God is trying to do, and you'll have another opportunity to say, okay, you know, whatever. I, I could do it yesterday, but for some reason today, I'm just done. I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. Every day you have a choice to say, okay, I, re- I reject those lies. I know who God is. He is good. He, is, he loves me. He's got this. I'm going to choose again today. So don't think that your yes is some big revival meeting one time in your life you said a yes in terms of your sanctification walk and that you don't have to say yes again. Because I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about you're walking in the spirit when he's in you. We still have to say yes because every day Satan's goal is to lie to us about who God is and who we are. And so I've had to keep saying yes. But every time I say yes and I think about this hall of fame faith list that was read this morning i think you know what that's each each day i say yes his strength takes over my weakness and i begin to grow and grow and grow and that's exciting not to mention i get to see more and more and more of who god is you know he's faithful even when we're not and he's going to be faithful to do something he's going to do something impossible i think the first impossible thing that he's done is kept me saying yes. <laughs> That's the big, most impossible thing. But, um, but I wanted to say, though, about this ladies' meeting, um, or ladies' conference, I don't even know what to call it. It's just so weird. It's like a ladies' gathering. Um, when the Lord gave me the theme, the God of the impossible, and, and it's been my own struggle of faith, why I haven't announced this yet, because it's just been a challenge. But when he gave me the theme, which I knew was of him, he also gave me a vision of why he gave me the theme. And yet, for some reason, my humanity wanted to compartmentalize that because it was too, ironically, impossible to believe. So I I accepted the theme because that was easy to accept. I didn't accept why he gave me the theme. I think because of my, you know, one of the things we have to surrender is we have to surrender our expectations. And sometimes when we think we hear from the Lord in in a way, we have to say, okay, God, if that's what you're doing, then great. I believe you, I believe you, I believe you. Well, he showed me in that moment uh, when he spoke so clearly to me, I'm gonna, I want you to give the theme to be the God of the impossible, believing God against all odds. And then he showed me that it's because we were going to be in a building. And again, I don't know what the inside looks like yet, but we know our building. And so I thought, okay, you know, you're going to do it. That's great. So I thought, well, Maybe I'll just go ahead and say that I got the theme, but I won't quite say the other part yet. And it was interesting how I, I was already kind of parsing things up to where, okay, I, I believe you about the theme, but, oh, I mean, the building, you know, we were wrong before about the way we heard your voice. And So this is what we decided to do. Our backup plan is that Friday night, uh, everybody meets here at 630. Um, unless and until God has us drive over to the building, we will, we will be here. And, uh, and I, you know, I looked at, believe me, I have analyzed this thing. My poor husband, he's just a, a, as we've spoken, sometimes in my emotions, he's been a little bit of a punching bag because I'm just like, you know, maybe I heard this whole thing wrong. Have you ever done that? You know, you're just like, you're hearing from the Lord and he's wanting you to take these steps of faith. And because and, I want to justify it. I would never say no to God, but I certainly want to justify taking back my yes. It's like, is there any way out of this thing? And um, so 
we have exhausted. Just in case you would wonder, well, didn't you check into hotels? Did you check into this? Yes, 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 yes. And he has only allowed me to do it here as a backup plan to being in the building. So we decided that everything we do will be transferable so that uh, up until the last second, we will drive over to uh, 1300 Marrows Road. And if, if, he, if that's not the timing of it, then we will be having an awesome time with God. One thing that he did reassure me of is it's not the place of God, it's the presence of God. Yes. And the presence of God is as strong here, and those of you that went to the conference know this, you don't have to drive to some awesome conference to hear some famous, awesome speaker, although Allison is getting to be pretty famous because she's been used greatly of God traveling all over now and speaking, um, and she will be here. But you don't have to go to those lengths for the presence of God. He is heavy and powerful, and he is going to do something impossible. Yes. Um, and I'm going to hold out for our Mayor's Road building till the very last second. Because first of all, whether it's this weekend or not, we know that we know that we know and have had now a ridiculous amount of confirmations that that's it. So that's just a non-negotiable thing. That just is. Um, you know, you, you, got, you just either decide you believe or you, you don't. You cannot let circumstances change. We, we know of Carson's, you know, healing. We just, we know that we know. Uh, you'll notice when God does things in the word, he doesn't give you timing. He doesn't time stamp things. And, and I thank him for that because I got to tell you, my flesh would not have me on my toes if I knew I had a month to kind of chill. Well, God's not doing it until, you know, like September, so I'm just going to hang out. No, he doesn't time stamp things because we need to have a readiness every single day and walk in the spirit every single day. So he does that for our own good so that we won't let complacency of our flesh seep in. Yeah. So we know we're not getting, God's never going to give us set times. Um, but it is here and, um, and it's, it's just going to be great. And I, I've, uh, you know, I've wrestled with God in, and, you know, with the enemy coming at me with fears that, um, that people will just, you know, I don't know, blame me for, for what, what it isn't. And I keep thinking, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm not responsible for it being awesome, then I'm surely not responsible for it not because it's all God's show. He's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to facilitate his will. So having said that, I, I do hope that you will, um, girls, some of you have already done it. Some of you have already signed up and paid. But I am going to do this, though. We only charge $12 this year for um, the ticket. And, um, and so I'm trusting God to, um, to move in hearts and do whatever he wants to do, even as randomly as, um, you know, have something show up in the mail, which for my Nigeria trip, I had a shocking, um, uh, check show up in the mail that I would just had gotten done, um, wanting again to take a few steps back on my yes to go to Nigeria again. And I even said to Greg, well, how do we really know? I mean, let's just talk about this now. And if you're going to go, fine, but why do I need to go again right now? I mean, maybe I should just wait. You know, I'm just starting to backpedal again. And, uh, and God just drops you, a check you in said, the mail. You said, you said, you don't know that it's God's will for me to go. For me to go, yeah. I started speaking my fears again because I've always said that while he did something great before, it doesn't mean that each new challenge isn't still going to be challenging. Um, and, uh, so he's calmed my fears, but he also, I was really concerned about how to even begin fundraising and whatever. And this weird, unlikely, I mean, the, the, I don't know what our amounts come to are pretty significant, but the check was a thousand dollars showed up in my mailbox. It just, just for, for, Nigeria, for Nigeria, just for Nigeria. 
And um, and I just I just brought tears to my eyes. I said, "Okay, Lord, I, you know, I I spout Ephesians three twenty and believe it with all my heart, and yet sometimes in the most practical, simple ways, is God not just doesn't He not just own everything? You know, money is not the issue, um, but He does want to use people, and that person that He used will be greatly blessed. They will likely never go abroad to a place like that." But the seeds they've sown through the, their finances will bless their life. And so that's why uh, we do give people an opportunity to give. And I'm taking a love offering this morning for the ladies' um, meeting. We are, um, you know, we are having expenses incurred with it, um, very minimal. And that's why I went ahead and did that, that amount so small. Uh, but I am going to send this around, so I'm going to send this around right now. Um, and just, if you want to, now you can do it online, you can do anything. And not, a lot of you are never prepared because we don't do this. We, this was a special deal. So just um, take it, and then, Margaret, when it gets to the back back, make sure everybody gets it and then leave it on the counter. Um, but if you've not signed up or if you still have people to talk to, now that we do have the official location, I'm going to be resending an email that it will be here. It is going to be... Uh, the very intimate setting, and just this is just for the women. But you know, when when Beth Moore and some of the the bigger people do filming of their Bible studies, they actually look for locations like this to show the intimate setting of coming together around God's word, and it's very powerful. She's done things in a ranch, living rooms, and various things when she's filmed some of her most powerful Bible studies. And so I, um, you know, again, the the place is really irrelevant. Uh, I know that's, but that's why I'm not calling it a retreat because. We have Rehoboth people coming to us this year, which is really interesting. But instead of us going to Rehoboth, we're now um, just going to be here. And we're just going to wait on God. And I want you to have the excitement and anticipation of what God will do. Because just because I say he's going to do something impossible with the retreat, to me that means he's going to do something impossible in each life that either sows towards it or attends and is part of it. Um, so guys that, that know women who are not here, please tell your mom, sisters, co-workers, uh, invite them to come out. If, if people are hungry at all for anything, to, to be with a group of women who um, you know, want to just seek the presence of God, worship, and learn from his word, tell them about it. Say, hey, you know, there's something going on Friday night and Saturday, um, and um, I know Mickey can't be with us, and she's, she's donated some of her wonderful talents of craft uh, things that she did last year for us. It's just beautiful, and it was such a blessing. And, and those are seeds sown towards what God is going to do. Um, but this Friday, 630, and we're actually we're going to send out an email because we really want you to be a little bit early because we're going to have um, only the front as the entrance to register everybody and make sure that we have name tags and so forth. So, um, so if you haven't gotten your tickets, most here have, although there's still some that haven't, go ahead and get that. Um, for $12, and um, God's just, he's in control, man. I am so not, it's not even funny. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Amen. Uh, two things. What was the date we decided? Was it April 20, 23rd? 23rd. Um, mark your calendars for a um, 